Welcome, everybody, to the Keto Endurance Podcast. I'm super excited to have Debbie Potts on the podcast. She has a her own podcast called The Whole Athlete, and she has a training studio called Fitness Forward. Debbie and I met at the Become Superhuman Conference and became friends and have done many of the similar trainings. And I'm uh, super excited to talk to her about her story and how you got to where you're at. Welcome, Debbie. <laughs> Why, thank you, my friend. I know, isn't it funny how we just, we met, we just been on the same path, similar path since, and here we are both coaching people and podcasting. So it's great to have more of us in the triathlon world, because as we'll speak about my story today and why I'm getting out and speaking more is that there's so much more to training and the way we train for triathlon and racing. It just is carries over into her daily life, which is kind of my story is life is not a race. So knowing how much you can take is kind of what my story is. And that's a pretty cool story. A little bit about Debbie. Debbie used to be a, a very fast and a, a competitive elite athlete. I was never fast, but we sort of ended up in the same. We both ended up with adrenal fatigue. Can you talk about going from a competitive athlete and sort of your mindset and how you felt then to whenever you started to see things like, hey, your aha moment, like the light, this is not working for me. Mm -hmm. And um, to where you started to go on this path of learning and journeying and, uh, and figuring out what was going on. Sure. Yeah. It's just, you know, a lot of it when we were doing Ben Greenfield's superhuman coach program is first time I started learning about heart rate variability. And we actually spoke about adrenal fatigue. And that was 2012. I think we did the program online and we had that conference in 2013. And that was really the beginning of my aha moment that, oh my God, they're talking about me. I didn't realize, you know, I was struggling until that time and I didn't really get why. And so as a coach, we all seem to have our personal reasons, our purpose and our, what our passion is because of our own experiences has brought us to share this story. So that kind of is since 2013, I have not been able to train and race a marathon or uh, Ironman or half Ironman. I've tried once, but you know, it's been five years and it's been a, an ongoing struggle. I started doing marathons and dance games, kind of short triathlons back in that uh, when I was 25 years old. And so it was few years ago. <laughs> and I think, you know, just over the years, I started doing Ironmans in 2001. And I would do one or two of them and start qualifying for Ironman Hawaii. So then you're doing two Ironmans a year, then you're doing marathons, and I started doing 50k trail runs. And yes, it started to probably be a lot. But at the same time, I opened my own business. I'm opened my own fitness studio in Bellevue, Washington with extremely high rent that goes up every year. I was trying to, you know, do the marketing and the background side of it because then I was doing personal training and group training and coaching athletes and I was just doing a lot. So put two full-time jobs together, it does not work out for successful <laughs> performance in racing. So that's kind of where it started. Just doing too much. A good point that you've made that I think a lot of athletes don't realize training is not just about exercise. You put in the mileage and then you know, miraculously, aha, you're going to be fast. 
and fit, but there are outside factors like your your work and um, your nutrition. Were you ever a high carb athlete? Because you did train under Mark Allen, which yeah, he's a big believer in you know Dr. Maffetone method and, mm-hmm. and all that. So can you talk yeah, a little bit about that? So I wrote a book all about this journey. I called the book, Life is Not a Race. It is a journey with the holistic method. So part of my journey, and I feel like my purpose is why I shared very details, uh, personal details of my life that kind of going back, where did this come from? 2013, 2012 Ironman Hawaii. I came 11th in my age group in the world. And I was just like doing my best time Ironman Canada that year. I came second in my age group and I was one of the top 10 overall. And I had this amazing race. And I Share that that my book, not to, I wasn't bragging about it. Some people on my review said I was bragging. It was more that, okay, I went from way up here to not being able to do anything in March. So it was more like, here's the climax. I was the best shape of my life, racing my fastest splits in overall times. Yeah, October was Ironman Hawaii. And then about March, 2013, so say about four months later, I had nothing. I gained 30 pounds in a couple months. I couldn't ride my bike. I just had this big aha moment was one day I was riding and I couldn't pedal. I had no strength and I'm a cyclist and that's usually my strength in triathlons is getting off the bike higher up there. And I just had nothing. And that was like March, 2013, right after our superhuman coach conference. And during that time, I did USA Triathlon certification back in 2009 with Bob Siebehor, talked a lot about metabolic efficiency. I was doing new leaf metabolic testing myself. You know, we both became Czech Institute, holistic lifestyle coaches, and I became nutritional therapy practitioner last year. And so I've always been in nutrition, but going back to your question, I get so many tangents. Sorry. Well, that's all right. I understand completely. (laughs) Just like trying to go back in time, like, okay, where, yes, to answer your question, I was eating high carb as most everyone was back in our days, you know, in high school and college with our age, we were doing the, I'm scared of fat. I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I just eat carbs. I'm not a big animal eater person. So I would do, you know, chicken from Costco in the bag that didn't look like a chicken and have that. And in college, I remember just eating pasta and rice and popcorn because popcorn had no calories and you spray water on it and sprinkle seasoning salt. (laughs) (laughs) So I wrote all this in my books just to explain like, yeah, I've always been in nutrition, healthy care. I mean, I thought I was healthy back in the eighties and nineties when, you know, I'd had an orange juice and a bagel and a non-fat bagel and a banana for breakfast. And then I started to learn from that experience because I'd go for a bike ride when I started training for like Seattle, Portland bike rides and ride around Mount Rainier, all this endurance training going, okay, that doesn't work. So I learned about metabolic efficiency and low carb, high fat from my own experiments and my own learning. And then I started listening to Bob Sibahor and, you know, Maffetone and going, okay, that totally makes sense because we're supposed to be burning fat. I can't eat what I thought was healthy, orange juice and banana and bagel for my pre-race, pre-training workout would leave me hungry. And having to eat three, 500 calories every hour and have all this stuff in a water bottle, well, I'd go to Ironman race and be throwing up the whole time. <laughs> so yes. that's why I got into all this nutrition stuff and focus on triathletes, how to train them with the holistic method that I have all these different elements I coach on that is just nutrition's huge part. Right. That's cool that you 
you figured that you had that sort of key before you went to started doing the superhuman coaching yeah. component because you had already gone through with Bob Seaborhor and uh, and Mark Allen, which is is good, but it's that's still like I think the the lifestyle stress, the stress of just life in general, like having a full time job, is really. Do you think like the nail in the coffin? What what did you in for? What really contributed to your adrenal fatigue? Well, I kind of laid it out that I think yes. I was training a lot. I was competing at high level and I was doing um, nothing to do with Mark Allen. His training, you know, got me to my top of my age group with the low heart rate training. So I was doing, you know, I was like, all right, how'd this happen? How'd I go from top athlete to an Ironman 2001 to pretty much 2012 with a couple injuries in between those years that I didn't race. But then like, where, where did this happen and how did it happen? And I think you know, one, it was, yes, I got into low carb, high fat, but as we've talked and I've talked over the years is that I got into a little bit serious too much. I went too low carb for the amount of exercise I was doing. I was intermittent fasting. And even I've been experiencing oh, yeah. that now that I'm fasting and I like not eating because it's easier <laughs> at work when right. I'm training clients not to have to eat, but that's another stressor. So I think what I did in my life is on a race book. Let's go back from when I was starting to train and race in my twenties, fast forward 20 years. How can I not have seen this and just been sidelined on the side of the road, riding my bike with, you know, tears down my face and not able to pedal at all on a flat ground. <laughs> so I think nutrition was one going from a high carb diet growing up to low carb, high fat. I was total fat burner machine, but then I added too low of carb and I got too strict about keto, which I didn't know keto back then, but I was too strict of low carbs and too much fasting. I think that was a stress. I think fasting is a big stress that I tell people they're like, should I do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're trying to adapt to a low carb diet and then you're adding training and fasting. Well, it's good for some that's... people, but yeah, I don't think it's good for all of us when we're pushing the limits every day. And then we add fasting that to me, it's like, oh, I can go easily 24 hours from dinner to dinner, not have anything. But then I just was starting to gaining weight going, okay, I'm not eating and I'm gaining weight. What's going on? But it's that whole, you know, adrenal and thyroid issue coming on. But yeah, so that was a big part. I think what I realized, what I've struggled with the last five years is, hopefully none of my clients are listening, but owning my own business is a constant stress. And that is for me, I've cut down on training and I still swim, bike and run and do my strength training, do some intervals, but there's still one factor that's going on and that's my business. And it is to me, it's always, always on your mind and you're always working. And, you know, I just been going out of town different times when my husband travels, I go to a hotel room and I just sit on my computer and people think I'm on vacation. I go, I am sitting my butt in a chair in a hotel room, getting stuff done. Cause I'm productive there. I'm not sitting on a beach having a Mai Tai. So for me, it's a stress because I'm always working if I'm not on a real like beach, but that's a big thing for me. And I think a lot of times people don't realize when I coach people is you have stressors in your life inside your body as well as outside. And we're all genetically different and bio individuals, but how much stress can you tolerate? I obviously can't tolerate a lot, 
And so we call it the beaker of stress. Like when is your beaker so full that it overflows? And you got to figure out what is your tipping point? How much stress can you tolerate? Because it's good hormetic response. And, you know, you need some stress. Right. Yeah. Saying the word wrong. But, you know, we need some stress. But how much can you, is that chronic stress, chronic exercise, chronic busyness, chronically on your phone? Anything chronic is a negative word that will create health problems internally and have this whole domino effect on your health in my opinion <laughs> i well my opinion as well like that, <laughs> yes and i have a course called, uh, that i put out that i'm actually just talked to uh my co-coach about we're going to redo it but that's we talk about you need some stress in life you need some pressure to adapt to but you need some time to actually do the adaptation so if you if you don't have any pressure, like if you just lay on the couch, you you don't have any. Um, there's no pressure to adapt to. But then if you have too much pressure, instead of you just end up broken. Yeah, and I do believe that you you got to find work with each person as we are coaching triathletes, endurance athletes. That everyone's a different person, right? So we can't we don't give them the same program. For everybody, we don't say eat the same like you said on my show that you can't eat to be in ketosis. What you can eat is different than I can eat to stay in burning ketones. And I just did a seminar to clients today. And my five day jumpstart challenge is that you know it depends on your stress, your sleep, and your digestion, and all these other factors, including happiness and movement, that are going to impact that. It's also your genetic makeup. But it's so interesting to me. How many people don't realize they're chronically stressed? Like I can see it now in people when they're just yeah. always anxious. I mean, you can hear it probably when you talk to people on the line that I see it when they walk into my fitness studio. Okay, do we need a timeout? <laughs> I, I would say you need to like push, pause, control, delete on your computer, reboot the system on your computer to get it to work right. We need to do that to our own bodies and just shut down and reboot the system. Get, get back online and get out of that sympathetic dominance. Well, and I think there's like, it's part of our culture to like push, 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 go, go, go. Yeah. And it's not as accepted to really take a break. And I've advised people, clients of mine, like, I think you need to spend a day laying in bed and watching Netflix. And <laughs> just like, you need a, a day of chill where you don't think or, you know, just relax. Just to chill out. There's a, the body is is balanced, you have to add stress and recovery. If you only have stress, no recovery, then it's just, you're just stressed and broken. Well, that's what we were just talking about in the but, Keon yeah. coaching program I'm doing is it was about not necessarily recover, but, you know, under recovery that we don't work. We're overtraining really because we're under recovering and we're not given enough time to repair. And we're so usually us type A triathletes just try to do more. More is better. And I find that people often try to fit that workout in before they go to work. Maybe it's lunchtime or after work and they maybe wait till after the kids go to bed and do a workout and and then they cram it all in and try to do a thing and they're sleeping five hours a night. And so I coach people my holistic method, which is eight elements that if I need to be attended to, you need to pay attention to nutrition, obviously an exercise, but the Goldilocks effect, how much is too much? Like you shouldn't do HIIT training every day, but you shouldn't do yoga every day. We shouldn't do, you know, excessive chronic cardio because that's increasing our cortisol as well. 
But then there's, I was just talking today with clients, and then there's sleep and there's stress and there's movement, digestion, gut health, hydration, and happiness are my eight elements that I coach people on and try to teach people in my books that, you know what, for athletes, we, if we're talking endurance athletes, we want to lose weight. We want to burn fat. We want to, you know, have the best health ever and improve our performance. But I am starting to look at, okay, I need to burn fat, but why am I not losing weight? And look at the health, what's off balance inside of us and get that recalibration, but also improve the aging process. Cause I don't want to get old. I want to, I think I'm 35 and I'm going to be, how old am I going to be? 47, I think November. <laughs> and I feel like I'm so young, but then I'm like, Oh my God, I'm aging. I don't want to age. And I want to feel young and healthy and all this chronic cardio. I was just listening to article podcast on that, that it's, you know, those chronic cardio gets you older. <laughs> I yes. don't want to get old. Well, it depletes your hormones quite a bit. If you don't, especially if you don't recover enough, mm-hmm. I started doing, well, I decided I'm going to do a figure show. So I working with the guy I used to work with, but I'm doing a lot of weightlifting, which is sort of a nice change. I'm still riding my bike occasionally, but I, I like the fact I feel better now since I, I mean, it's 2007 that I was 2008. I was really in my, in, dug myself in a hole. And I started to recover a little bit, but really didn't find, I found Paul check before I found Ben Greenfield and did the Czech Institute um, training. And I feel better now at, I'm 49, which I can't believe I'm that old, but I feel better at 49 than I did at 39 and even better than I did at 29 or 19. So I think that there's a lot of folks out there who feel bad and they don't even know how bad they feel because they never felt good. Yeah. And I was one of those people (laughs) that I never felt good. And I think that being able to, really part of aging well is feeling good and looking good but you know that those managing those stresses I think it's great that you focus on happiness because I think that's a huge part of building those happy hormones in your brain and happy chemicals that help you for one recover from adrenal fatigue and two um, just uh, your body you won't have that pregnenolone steal when you're making happy hormones. And I was going to tell you, you actually look great. You'll look more refreshed and rested than last time we talked. See, it's because I went to Paris for a week. And you know, did you see what I did? I posted it. I shut my phone off. We went just for one week, Saturday to Monday. And a week later on the Monday night, I did not look at email. And I had my phone off and only worked to take pictures. Oh, that is awesome. Awesome. One whole week. I don't have kids. And I told my parents, you know, I'm going to be offline. I'm in Paris. You can call me all if you need emergency. But it was great. It was a total detox from electronics. And I it was just, this is so nice. I wish. And then you get back and you get to work and get that constant busyness. You know, you got this, you got that. And then you check your email, check your text. Like, no, how can I just add structure and not be busy? Because that is, if we're going back to adrenal fatigue, sources of stress and overfilling your beaker is looking at your social media 10 times a day and checking your email and your texts. I tell clients I have no alerts on my phone. I don't have, I have to turn on my ringer to make sure if I'm waiting for a call, but I don't have any Facebook post alert on my phone. I just think that's ridiculous. I don't have an alert. 
LinkedIn, your yeah. Facebook, your Instagram. And I'll message or um, train clients. And all these messages popping up on their phone and distraction. Hello. I'm like focus, be present. So all those constant distractions are another source of stress that I think is just increasingly getting worse. <laughs> I agree. I don't, I don't have alerts either. And I turned them off a long time ago because it is a distraction. People, you could be having a conversation with someone, they'll get an alert and stop in the middle of a conversation to look at their alert and it could be nothing. And their Apple watch, they do the same thing. Oh, Oh, what is that? And then get that, that drives me nuts worse. But yes, it is. Actually, I, I had to turn, I have a Garmin that has alerts. And I had to turn off the alerts because they were making me nutty. Yeah. Because you're wondering, especially on my bike, I can't, uh, I have bifocals for, so I could see the, what's actually on my cycle computer and the print's really tiny. So I have to adjust the glasses. I'm like, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is making me nuts. (laughs) uh, Because I'm going to wreck trying to read what the stupid alert is. Sometimes just go, go with how you feel and just enjoy the, the bike ride itself. Yes. Well, I, I agree. I think a lot of times people, initially, I, I would hope that a lot of people get into endurance sports because they love moving their body and being outside and being with friends. I mean, at least that's why I ride my bike and, and train is because I like being outside, moving and being with my friends. And that when you get so wrapped up in the numbers and the, you don't have that, sometimes it, it takes away from that experience of just being happy and playing and ha- that feeling of being alive. Well, and that's what I was just going to say for, you know, someone just asking me, what makes you relax? Because my business has been honestly causing a lot of stress lately and I have six months on my lease. So I'm trying to decide what is the next phase in life? What am I doing? And it's very stressful and not you have all these people under you and rely on you. So you have to look at, all right, what makes me happy? What do you do to relax? And things I tell my clients, you have to practice what you preach as a coach and go, all right, I need to stop, push my pause, alternate delete and reset, reboot my body and just stop and breathe. And you know, slow down. But for me, the other thing is going for my bike ride. So going back to my way of how I got to having adrenal exhaustion, which is technically HPA access dysregulation, which is too many words. So I just say adrenal exhaustion is that the exercise is more my therapeutic time. That is when I like to ride by myself during the week. It's my, I'm with people all morning. So my biking and training, because I go by how I feel and I train by heart rate and I'm sometimes specific workouts for Mark Allen to do. Well, that wasn't my stress. My stress was the rest of the day. It's that constant busyness. And as I say all the time is that you wake up, the alarm goes off and you're busy until you go to bed at night. You're just constantly going. And I think that is the big red flag of how, how can I put more breaks and pauses into my day? Or how can I you know go for my bike ride if that makes you happy? Or maybe it's going for a walk and you know, listening to your body, like we were saying earlier, before the show started, like meeting your body where it's at. So today, you know, I felt good. So I did a, a run or maybe the other day I had nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't even try to do my long run workout. So I ended up having to walk and then jog and do intervals just super slow. But I had to be happy with, all right, I'm outside. I'm, I'm moving. I'm getting fresh air. And so I think, you know, the takeaways would be learn 
your own red flags, learn what makes you happy and how you can relax and meet your body where it's at. I agree. Before the call, I was telling Debbie a similar thing happened. I just got back driving. I was on the low-carb cruise. I drove from Florida to Arizona, and I did stop along the way visiting How many days was that, by the way? Coming back, it was, oh, it's, I don't know how many hours. That's really long. (laughs) You don't look look at a map, people. Arizona to Florida. (laughs) That's awful. Port Canaveral, Florida. So I drove from the first day back. We drove from Port Canaveral to New Orleans. And I think that was nine and a half hours. So each day I drove about nine and a half hours. So then I went from New Orleans to Marble Falls, Texas, which was nine and a half hours. And then Marble Falls, Texas to Las Cruces, New Mexico, eight and a half hours. And then it was six hours from Las Cruces to Phoenix. Yes. I could not do that. (laughs) It was a... I mean, it was, I'm glad I drove because on the way out, we stopped and I saw my son, my son is in college in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So, and that's where my in-laws live. So I saw my son and my in-laws and then we drove to Lubbock, Texas going and I saw my 98 year old aunt who's still sharp as a tack and in Lubbock, Texas. And then we drove from Lubbock to Arcadia, Louisiana, where my sister lives. She had just moved there from California. And that's really the reason we drove because she had just moved there and we figured we probably wouldn't go out and visit her any other time. My mom and I. So um, Arcadia, Louisiana. And then we stayed there a couple of days. Then from Arcadia, Louisiana to um, Pensacola, Florida. And I stayed with a friend. And then from Pensacola to Orlando. And we were in Orlando for three days. And then we got on the cruise and the cruise was seven days and then back. Wow. So it, it was it was quite the trip and I won't be driving that far anytime. <laughs> so you you were saying did you feel exhausted afterwards from sitting so much or was it just being gone so long was I think it's I well I worked out the whole time I was gone and there was probably 2 days the whole time that I didn't actually lift weights and stretch and and move which was good but coming back I had Three days that the because the the driving was in a bigger chunk coming back that I didn't do anything but sit in a car, mm-hmm. and I was just so stiff and so tired from that just you know constant driving today when I went to the gym yesterday, I was going to go to the gym, and I just couldn't bring myself to it. I just went to bed early <laughs> i I went to bed about eight thirty and then um, this morning, I got up at my normal time, went to the gym. And started to lift weights and I'm like not feeling it. I was like, I just did some stretches because my low back is stiff and then worked on like, because um, I have an anterior pelvic tilt that I'm sure is exaggerated by sitting in the car that long. So I just did stretching my hip flexors and did some bridges to activate my hamstring, stretch my low back, did some, um, I don't even know what they're called, but put my low back on the ground and then stick one leg out and back to act, you know, to activate my lower abs. And actually that made me feel a lot better because I was a heck of a lot less stiff after that. But also like, I think that the mental, when you're tired and fatigued today, I couldn't focus as well as I would have liked. And I think that mental fatigue is discounted a lot when people are not well rested. 
Well, for sure. And I agree that you, it's a something that triathletes, athletes, anything that's somewhat competitive, we skip over and we follow a training peaks or any type of training schedule to a T. We ignore those red flags, as you're saying. And I'm saying, you know, I just, there's nothing there. I couldn't even fake it. <laughs> you know, you're running. <laughs> you can't fake, you know, finding energy to run if it's not there. It just wasn't happening today. And that's why I have the saying, meet your body where it's at. And it is, I want to get t-shirts made on the back. Well, you know what I like about that, Debbie, is that you met yourself where you're at and then you didn't beat yourself up about it. That's what's so frustrating to me is the athletes have a bad day or a bad week or whatever. And then they, they do like this self-flagellation or like beat themselves because they're like, oh, I couldn't push myself. And it's just like, Really, your body's telling you can't go. And if you don't listen to your body, it will continue to talk to you in more dramatic ways that you may not like. Yeah. Like you could become very poor, badly injured or, or worse. You know, a, a It will come up in a different way or show up somewhere. But you say that, but I, this is five years, five freaking years <laughs> I've been dealing with this. So... I can't say that, yes, I'm always happy and positive and just, oh, it's going to be walk today. That would be kind of fitting. And so I would say, you know, and I also had a meltdown at the end of that, started crying. So (laughs) I I did meet my body where it's at, but I was so frustrated. Like, why can't I just train and race again? And so I'm getting labs tested. And I I think, you know, it's ironic because we talked about all this low carb, high fat, keto, and it is. If you are stressed, because I've been more stressed the last couple months, and if you can, you know, get low cortisol, high cortisol, hyperadrenia as your cortisol levels are up, and then low cortisol, when as I would say it's like a faucet you left running all the time on, so your cortisol is always kind of leaking out a little bit because you're never shutting it down and switching that nervous system off, and so you become the well becomes dry and become low adrenal glands, a low cortisol or hypoadrenic. And you get these other problems like low thyroid and everything's just sluggish. And then you can get leaky gut and have gut inflammation and gut inflammation leads to brain inflammation and brain inflammation is that memory loss and brain fog. And then you've got, you know, food sensitivity. I mean, there's this whole thing that just goes on and on and on and everything's connected. So, you know, when I, I'm always working on trying to push the envelope and you, it's what I see with clients too. It's like you take one step forward, two steps back and figuring out, okay, I still can't do it. And so, yes, I have to come to grips now that meet your body where it's at, but like patient's hat sometimes comes off <laughs> and that I really want to do a half Ironman and I want to do even a half marathon and run and, you know, I used to do Boston marathons and I'd do my best time was 312 and 320 something. And I would, was doing half marathons, like 133, 135 each time. And my Ironman halves now it's like, all right, I'd just be happy to do a two hour half marathon and, you know, even to run a marathon in whatever time. So your my standards have gotten lower each year, even though I try to believe that I can do it again. But as I went, you know, go back to what I said earlier, it's figure out my major source of stress. And it's, it's not, sometimes it could be your family or, you know, in-laws or something else going on in relationships, but mine, it's probably my running on my own business with a ton of overhead that just is a sinking hole. So 
until you identify what your energy robbers are, it's really hard to get yourself healthier. Obviously, mine's been five years, so it's just I can't, you know, I need to remove that that big, big thing that keeps pushing me backwards. Yes, I have to say, well, I've been in this path a little longer because I've been like, I dug myself in a pretty deep hole. So I've been, I guess from the point that I was deepest in the hole until now is about eight to 10 years. I had a couple of years where I was not a very functioning human being. But in, in that time, I have progressively gotten rid of stressors. And when I made the decision to become an online coach, I exclusively online. I was training senior citizens and I had a, a, and I was training people in their homes. So going home to home, I was organizing a meditation retreat, which is ironic because it was stressful. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then I was also um, had online clients, just not a full, full schedule of online clients. And I had to make the decision that I needed to pick one thing because I felt like I, I wasn't able to do a very good job of coaching my online clients because I had my personal training clients and the meditation retreats. And uh, so I gave out the meditation retreats, which I love doing. And that was very hard for me to give that up. And then I also gave up my in-home personal training and my group fitness classes, which that was hard too, because I love those old ladies. And yeah. I had a couple old gentlemen too. Uh, in fact, one of the ladies, I just liked her so much. We still meet once a month for lunch. Mm-hmm. I take her to lunch, but uh, mm-hmm. it was, but it was, it's such a hard decision because I'm sure you care about the people you work with now, your clients yeah. and your family. You care, you care about the people, you, your employees and it's, you care. So it's, it's hard not to have your heart like wrapped around those people and a little breaks your heart a little bit to well broke my heart a little bit to leave them but my life is infinitely better and those are hard decisions as you're saying you know they're tough but sometimes if your health is your number one priority you have to what i would say put the oxygen mask on first before you can help other people they say every time you can take off an airplane it's so true i mean if i am wanting to help clients if i want to uh, you know, focus on more of the triathlon world and help them avoid chronic stress and identify those stressors so they can race and train and not cause health issues and, you know, slow down the aging process rather than speed it up as we're often doing from just doing too much. And, you know, that's what I have to figure out what for me makes me, well, it all makes me happy. That's a problem is I love doing everything. So I end up doing too much. And I always take something off my plate and then put more on. <laughs> so it's this constant personality issue. But I have that. It's like, oh, I want to do this. And I want to become a functional diagnostic nutritionist next year and take school for a year. And then it's like, all right, you know, how do you just say one thing I'm going to focus on, not 10 things and do one thing really well, right? That they say. Right. Well, it is hard because I haven't taken any coursework and I know you you were similar in that respect. We still, we love learning. We, and we don't stop learning. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I really feel like I was thinking about doing NTP or going to the next level Czech Institute training and really thinking about I'm ready for the next step. But thankfully right now I am not overcommitted, which is probably the first time in my life that I 
I am not like had too many irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. It just took a long, long time to get there. And think something that's helped me is that my husband is a very calm person and he never takes on too much. I mean, he's almost rude about it. If someone asks him something, he's like very blunt. Nope, not interested. <laughs> and I have to tell myself, channel, channel my inner gem and be like, no, I really shouldn't take that on. And um, really, or not giving an answer right away and thinking about it. Because when the opportunity comes up, my first thought is, oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Then do more. More is not better. I we just did a PowerPoint presentation recording a webinar I'm trying to do. And it is one of the things. More is not better. If you have too much of anything can become toxic. Too little of anything can cause deficiencies. And find out what is that you know, right amount for you to be healthy. And another question I was asked, you know, what is healthy? Do we need to redefine what healthy is? Because I think a lot of endurance athletes, triathletes, we think healthy is because I'm super fit. I'm, you know, Ironman Hawaii's in a week and I'm going to go. And it's just, you think these people are so healthy and they look amazing and they're not. And I think we have this false definition of what, what health is. And, you know, what I always say is optimize your health, but what even is healthy? I think we need to figure that out. Have you read that article by Professor uh, Larson and Dr. Maffetone, Fit but Unhealthy? Yes, we did a podcast on that a few years ago, but yes. Yes. And have you met Paul Larson? I don't think so. No. He's the coolest guy. I've, had him, I've met him a couple times and had him on my podcast. He's Canadian. He's super of mellow. Course. All and- Canadians are the cool people. <laughs> and he's so sweet. So if you um, if you ever have the chance to meet him, he's he does a, a ton of research with low carb and uses it to coach his athletes. But he also um, has worked oh. with Dr. Maffetone, which is I met him at uh, the Endurance Coaching Summit. Oh, that's with, actually the USAT, or is that a different one? It's with Training Peaks. Oh, oh yeah, I saw that. But they are this year they're in England, but they in the previous couple of years they were always in Boulder. And I have a friend who lives in Boulder, so I go I've been going to the conference this year I didn't go. Maybe he'll be there next year and you can go and Yeah, I wanted that's on my list to do too. Yeah. <laughs> so many seminars. Throw in you said nope earlier. And a, another source of stress, like you said, is doing too much. And so Neil, my husband's kind of same way, he just keeps me in line and like tells me when I need to reboot pause and stop doing so much but he has a saying we say nope not our problem ever because you just think you know oh my sister's doing blah 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 or my friends like I think and that you're stressing about other people's problems (laughs) if you're like I have clients like that they're always worried about something like you don't even work you have you worry you have family and like what are you always stressed about a few people like that they're just worriers they have to worry about something like oh my gosh you're you have chronic stress, adrenal issues because you worry about other people. So I think we have to also look at that as a red flag. And if you are those, start looking at that. Nope, nope, not my nope, problem no, ever. <laughs> it's hard for, I do have kids and it was hard for me. They're both out of school, out of high school, out on their own. And I would worry about them. And I have to like basically talk to myself like, Stephanie, they're fine. If they need something from me, they'll contact me. I don't know if I told you, I did a plant dieta in Peru, out in the jungle. Wow. 
no, talk about no electronics. There's no electricity. Yeah. There's no, no lights. You can't even <laughs> cheat and try. You <laughs> can't even look. And the, every day I had to calm myself down because I worried about my husband and kids. Like the, the world is going to fall apart and they need me. Yeah. And, uh, when I finally got to where I had Wi-Fi access and I could call them, I was like dying to call them. And they're like, we're fine. And it was just a real eye-opening. Um, it was very eye-opening for me is that, you know, they, they're old enough to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Me worrying about them is not doing anything but harming me and being an irritation to them. Yeah. And so for what I... I'm sharing that these are all sources of stress. So if you're looking to improve your performance, yes, you know, doing more low carb, high fat nutrition and being that super keto endurance athlete, as you talk about, but it's, it's so much other things, these other red flags as stress impacts everything. So I, I talk about, I'm trying to write more in nutritional therapy. We learn that every stress response is a blood sugar response. So every time you are stressed, think of that sympathetic nervous system. You have to run from that line, go, I got to catch the airplane. You're, you're in adrenaline mode. You got to react quickly and respond fast as you can. Well, you're increasing that blood sugar to respond to that stress. So even if I'm eating super low carb, adding lots of high fat foods in my plan, if I keep being chronically stressed, am I really going to be burning those ketones? No, my blood sugar levels up. I need to take berberines, mother blood sugar, supplements to help that, you know, you can take all the lab tests you want and supplements, but if you don't learn how to do this meditation, which I need to learn and slow down, you're just on this nonstop programs trying to fix yourself. So that stress, every stress response, blood sugar response really is huge for me to share with people. But then the other one, if stress is on, digestion is off. If stress is on, immune system is dampened. So if you wonder why you're not performing well, you're always sick, you can't sleep at night, you have digestive issues, you're having leaky gut, you have inflammation in your body, your joints hurt, you're slow to recovery after a workout, well, you might want to look at (laughs) the root cause and it might be coming from this chronic stress in your life, maybe trying to put too much in a day, maybe trying to cram your workouts in morning and after work and weekends that you sacrifice your sleep and you're just stress trying to fit it all in. So I'm trying to teach people, okay, how can you do your race and train properly and have that, that happy spot, you know, that not have that tipping point, beaker of stress overflow. I think that's a great point. And I agree with you a hundred percent. I also think part of being a coach is having the conversation with athletes. Like maybe an athlete wants to do an Ironman, but they don't have the time in the day to do an Ironman. (laughs) We talked about that, didn't we? Yes, that is a huge yeah. one because Iron Man got to be this big thing to do the last few years. Luckily, I think it's died down. But I'm like, you haven't done one triathlon. You're going to do an Iron Man. You've never done a marathon. You've never done an endurance ride. Like, why would you put your body through that? Right. And, and if you have a, if you're working 60 hours a week, you have three, four kids and uh, that are all in sports. And uh, your wife's pregnant with the baby. I mean, that's not the time. That's not the time to sign up for an Ironman. Maybe you could think about doing a sprint or do some bike races or something. They're super short. Still fun. Yeah. So I think that having realistic goals is really important to managing stress. Yes, for sure. I think you know 
that when I started racing triathlons, I was 25, late, I was 29 when I did Ironman Canada, 2001. And all my training buddies are now like 70 turning 80. <laughs> they were all like my parents' age because, you know, the people that had kids, I had two or three friends that were a little older than me that had, were married or having, you know, little kids back then. And they got divorced or something happened. I had three friends got divorced and it wasn't because of me <laughs> training with them. It's because they were, you know, not at home ever. They're gone. And we'd be gone all day Saturday doing a swim and then going for a six hour bike ride and running and then go get something to eat afterwards. I mean, you know, if you want to have a healthy marriage, <laughs> you might want to look at not doing Ironman distance yet. Wait till your kids are older. So my training partners were all had kids my own age. And so it's probably why I was single till I was 35 because I was training with people that were my parents' age. So yeah, there's something to that. Yes. I, I didn't start training for endurance sports until my youngest was, um, had started school. It started school. And then it still became a lot. When I was training for Ironman, I had a stressful job at the time. And after Ironman, I, I was really broke, started to become very broken. And then I was like, I need to start making changes. And I quit that job and, um, and then started trying to train for ultra, ultra marathons, which that did not help my situation. But it's, uh, I felt like I, like we talked to before, Debbie interviewed me on her podcast. And I, I sometimes have some frustration about my story uh, that like, I wish I had learned a long time ago, the things that I know now, because I ended up, you know, such a mess. But, you know, if I hadn't gone through those things, I wouldn't be the person I am and the, the coach that I am. So those okay. are all good things. I need, I found a t-shirt at Nordstrom's that has that quote on it. I should buy one for you. If I oh. knew now what I knew then. Oh. The t-shirt, so I'll have to find that one for you. Because <laughs> I'm the same way. I think all of us like if I knew all that, but then like what we were saying on my show is that you wouldn't be where you're at today, right? If you didn't go through all that, you wouldn't be as amazing coach as you are now and have all that knowledge and that you can relate to your athletes and be able to know, okay, don't go there. I know what's gonna happen, or you know, how to make them optimize their health and performance because of your background, your skills. I don't think we could coach people as well if we didn't go through the crappy stuff that we did. To come I agree. Out the other side. Yes, I agree. Yes, that's a hundred percent true. And having that knowledge, I was thinking about a client that I, I coached for a long time and then he had some stress come up in his life and stopped coaching with me. But, you know, seeing people who are starting to go down that path and trying to help them like correct it and then you know, this is great that we're talking about the stress component because I think it's very uh, underappreciated. I know. That's why I'm spending money to go to Ironman Hawaii again <laughs> because like, I need to get this message out there. And so I'm hoping to you know, network and connect with other athletes. I last year went and I'll probably do the same this year. I had a little table set up where Lava Java used to be and Bike Works has a little pop-up shop and Goo Gel was right beside me, but they had a DJ. <laughs> so uh, it was great connecting with athletes and then some podcast listeners can find me. And this year, NG Energy Bits, those, have you ever heard of those? Clarella, other green algae and blue algae supplements to take for recovery and energy. I, so I'm handing out samples. So I have some swag because no one ever wants just a card. They want something free. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I know, I've heard, I've never been to Kona, Ironman Kona, or even like to watch it. 
But I have heard there's so much swag that you can, yeah. like people are giving away stuff all over the place. I have a good friend who got in, he's done nine iron or 10, I don't know, a bunch of Ironmans. And he got in under, they don't have the lottery anymore, but if you do so many. Oh yeah, the, I forgot that. They started the that legacy, after. the legacy. Yeah, the legacy. Mm-hmm. Right. So he got in under the legacy and he's going to be there. And uh, so I'll be following him. I don't know that I know any, but usually I know a couple people there, but I don't know who else. Well, you could say, look out for Debbie. She'll be there right in front of the Lava Java. There's a picnic table and I'll set up my little display there and I'll hand out my samples. I will post that in my group. Wednesday to Friday, then race days on the Saturday. and, And then it's kind of fun day on Sunday. I'm still working on my press pass. I'm hoping to get that because the best experience ever I've had through Mark Allen and other ways I had a friend that worked fireman that if you get a press pass or a VIP pass, you get to go out and appear for the swim start. Oh. You just sit there with your legs hanging on the dock and the pros are right below you in the water and to experience that swim start right next to them. This is so exciting. It's just a love Ironman Hawaii day. I, I didn't go... I went, race 2012 was my last racing there. I did it five times. And then 2013, I thought I was going to do Ironman Canada. And so I was already registered for everything before I knew my health was going to go and down the hill. And so I went 2013 actually with Brock and I were hanging out watching Ben Greenfield did his keto study that year doing Ironman in ketosis. And then I missed a couple of years and I just missed it. I have friends that I see every year there, our Mark Allen team and mates that are just, you know, this gal, Diana Hassel wins every year, her age group. She's just amazing. My friend, Carrie Craig, 60 something already, she's 60 this year. So she'll probably podium. So it's just so cool to be there, even though I'm sad. I don't, I'm not racing. I'm not able to race, but just to feel that energy. I just did a podcast with Mark Allen and he was explaining it all the race day and just get goosebumps and get so excited listening to it. So something everyone should go to once in a lifetime, which is why I'm trying to get a media pass to share that experience and video and, you know, do some lots of good photos of it and sound because it is a magical day. Not everyone can get there or spend the money to get there, but you know, once in your lifetime, it's kind of a bucket list thing to do if you're in the triathlon world to be there on the finish line. Yeah. But do you have any aspirations to go back? So let's say, you know, you were able to eliminate some of the bigger stressors in your life and have a calmer life and sort of focus on, you know, focus on your health and training. Is that something that you would ever think about doing? You know, I always say, no, it's done. But then I start training and I get like, oh my gosh, I'm so good. I get have a strong bike ride. And in one day Memorial Day this year, but, oh, okay. It was a great ride. I ran three miles afterwards and I just had so much fun. Then I thought, I'm looking up on the way home from this place we went riding. What race can I do in September and see if it can train? And then I didn't really have that energy again. <laughs> so I do have that energy inside, that passion inside of me. And if if I can do it and be healthy and still have fun and just like, I love you know, going for that ride. But then you kind of get used to not getting up all summer and going for a lake swim and then riding all Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And I just realized, because you know, I went to Paris for a week. I've gone to Europe five times since I quit doing Ironman. It's cheaper to go to Europe every year than it is or actually oh. twice. For the amount of money you spend on racing, because I need a new bike, I need new race wheels. 
You always get a new wetsuit. There's always new helmets that come out. You spend yes. a buttload of money. But I can go to Europe on miles and go stay for two weeks in Italy, in Tuscany, Amalfi Coast. And last year I went to Greece, went to Spain another year. I mean, there's a lot to do, I think, with balance that made me do an Ironman every couple of years and go travel the world or do other activities. Yeah. I think what I see now is, okay, you get sucked into it and you're just like, okay, I finished this year, I already registered for next year's races. And then you get people would always ask me, probably to other people might relate that, oh, when's your next race? Every day someone would ask me that. And it's like, oh my, is that the, all I do? <laughs> That's my identity is Debbie does races all the time and she won't come visit me unless there's a marathon. So my friend that moved to South Carolina would say, well, there's a marathon. You think you'll come visit me now? Because <laughs> there's a race. So I think you have to find, all right, we're driven, we're motivated, we love racing, but are you sacrificing the rest of your life that we should be enjoying as well too? I agree. That, uh, I have I started doing bike races, which are short and which is nice. Even though like during race season, there's a race every weekend, but their you know, criterion is 30 minutes. That's, uh, so it's, it's been nice that, and my husband races, so it's nice to do stuff with him. But then a, a good friend of mine is signing up for Ireland, man, Maryland. And he was like, you should do it. It's a year away. And I was, you know, part of me is like, oh, maybe I can. But when I was, you know, my health was in the hole, I signed up for 70.3 St. George and I couldn't do it because I was still messed up. And then I signed up for Ironman Arizona and I couldn't do it because I was, I couldn't be, I wasn't healthy enough. I would start to train and then I get injured and start to train, you know, and I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm sacrificing my health. But that was years, years ago. It is nice to be able to go on vacation, not worry about having to do a race because I, and when you're in the thick of racing all the time, that is your vacation. You're always racing. Mm-hmm. But uh, now I haven't done that for a couple of years. I feel like maybe I will do it, but I have a, have a, a little while to decide. Well, maybe by the time I'm ready and you know, we can pick a half Ironman and go to Kona <laughs> and do it in Hanu. Oh, yeah. In May. So then you can get to Kona, you can be in Hawaii and you can do a half Ironman, even though it's hot and windy, but it's fun race. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's, I'd like a half Ironman distance because it's not, training's not ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's doable. It's, it's something people can do each year. And on Ironman, maybe we need to alternate every couple of years because it does sacrifice a lot of your personal life and other activities you could be doing or just sleeping in and lying around watching Netflix. <laughs> yes. I had a, one of the people in my Facebook group said something about like, she just had done some big races and she's being lazy. I'm like, I think that's perfect. You need to be, have some time being lazy. And people feel guilty if they're lazy. And I said that too, in my books, like you feel guilty for not doing something. It's like, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm always like reading. If I watch the Seahawk game, I'm like on my computer. It's like, how can you just sit still and be yeah where you are at and be present so have anyways. you seen that muse headset you know what I'm i've talking? heard about that with that keon program we've got links to every device oh, possible, I, I have the, that muse headset and because i've gone to the meditation retreats for so many years i mean because right. i was organizing them i would still participate i am i can get into a meditative state super fast wow and um in fact i lent lent the headset to a friend because she was like it, it tweets little birds if you are in the theta brainwaves. Oh, I need one is, of those. 
Yeah, which is great because for me, whenever I, my head gets busy and I can't focus, I would just put it on and like get to where I could hear the Tweety Birds and I'm like, I'm good. Thankfully, I don't have a problem um, meditating, but that's, I mean, I've been going to meditation retreats for six years. So that's great. Yeah, but that I think meditation is huge. Well, we are coming up on time. We've been talking a little longer than what I had planned. And I just love talking to you, Debbie. You're such a great resource. And tell people where they can find you, any um, exciting things that are coming up. Well, yeah, debbiepotts.net is my website where I'm putting all my blogs and the podcast links and my favorite item links to that. And I'm just trying to write more blogs each week. And then my Holistic Method program I've done for a few years is five-day kind of a jumpstart challenge of phase two is 21 day. And then last part, phase three is maintenance. I'm trying to been doing that for years at my fitness studio and then I'm bringing that online at least doing the five-day jumpstarts challenge so we'll be doing that the first week of each month and that's just a good way to let's work on all these diff eight elements of the holistic method and do a little more low carb high fat reset or people want to you know learn more about ketosis but just work on you know learning just the basics and then diving deeper into it each day so we're doing that each month and then yeah, you'll find me more on Instagram, the Holistic Athlete, and Pinterest to try to keep my boards updated and put stuff over on Facebook on the Whole Athlete Podcast page. So the podcast is called the Whole Athlete Podcast. I've been doing more calling it the Whole Ath- Triathlete, targeting those triathletes because I'm finding, as we said before, it's a missing market. No one's really addressing nutrition for athletes as you're focusing on, and me the and the holistic method is all these nutrition plus, you know, the sleep and the stress because that's more my area that I am passionate about. So I think, you know, we're both trying to help athletes be trained and be healthier. And that's what I'm doing on my podcast. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. I appreciate your time and we will be staying in touch. Yes, definitely. The rain has started in Seattle. So I'll try to get down to Phoenix this time when we all move down there for the winter. Yes. So, well, maybe when you come down, I'll take you to Mexico, to San Carlos, where we'll, we can be on the beach and we have kayaks and paddle boards and scuba diving here. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Good. Thank you. That looks, sounds good. Anything with sunshine in the wintertime you need once a weekend a month. <laughs> yes. <laughs>